Love Talk Radio. This is All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Share your question or comments using the live chat feature on our website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Again, that's www.allaboutwinebtr.com. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Oh, that was quick. Yeah, we're happy because we finally got on the air. Lost Talk Radio is having an issue, I believe. Yes, they are. We we came on a little bit late. But, you know, I mean, in the archives, those who listen in the archives, it's not going to be an issue at all for them. Nope, they will hear it from the intro, and that's all they need to know about. <laughs> what do you know about it? Well, you listen to us live. We are 16 minutes late when we timed in, but you're listening to us on uh, archives, and welcome to the show. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Okay. All right. So, uh, Mike and I didn't get our chance to do a little chit chat before the show, so, you know, give us a few minutes. We need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now that we're 18, 18 minutes late, give us a few. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. Give us a minute so we can talk a little bit here. Yes. Um, yes. We've got uh, summer, first day of summer tomorrow. And really, so that yeah, first day of summer. It's been, it's been the upper nineties for like four months now. When does it? Oh, when well, is it starting first tomorrow? Is, first day of summer on the calendar. On the calendar. Oh, well, sure. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's that's when everybody's summer starts. Florida started, you know, four six months ago. Was, yeah. Well, June. let's see. This is this is June. Uh, yeah. So uh, six months ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> January. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. About that time. Uh, I mean, they were getting they were getting snow in Denver in May last month. We were in the 90s, so you know we don't have that. We we just we get a little break from the heat, and then we go right back into summer again. And, and that's and we had a break from the heat for the last week because of all the rains, but uh, <laughs> those those are gone. I mean now it's just Hot and humid. Yeah. uh, Welcome to summer in Florida. And yet we have over 600 people a day move into this state. Yeah. They come down here for vacation. They go, oh, I love Florida. And then they move down here. And then they gripe about it all the time to live here. Yeah. Oh, it's so hot. Sure is hot. Sure is hot. Yeah, it is. They don't tell you that in the brochures, though. See, that's what it is. They, They paint this beautiful... You know, oh, it's always sunny here. Oh, yes, that sun beaches. comes with heat. Oh, yeah, yes, the beaches. Right. Oh, it's wonderful. Oh, you got beaches, you got the, all the theme yeah. park. And, you got, and to cool uh, off, cool off, you just go into the go to the beach, go into the water. The water's only 
what, 98, 104 degrees now? Something like that, you know, yeah. yeah it's really, so pleasant. You know, so pleasant. You can reach over and get yourself a boiled lobster floating on the top because the water's so Absolutely. Hot. It's pre-cooked. Yeah. Saves you a lot of time. It's pre-cooked, yeah. yeah. And what Just, wine would go good with, with lobster? Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I'd add that to it. <laughs> I, think, I think maybe a nice Chardonnay. Speaking of wine, I'm glad mm-hmm. we connected oh. tonight. Because uh, I've, I've got a wine here I'm going to tell you about. All right? Now, let me give you a background on this. I was at the winery one day. This was quite a few years ago, actually. Wow. More years ago than I think. I guess it's been about eight years ago now. Yeah, something like that. I was at the winery, and in came the UPS driver, or FedEx. I can't remember which one. And he handed me this big box. I mean, it was, you know, a pretty, pretty good-sized box. And he said, uh, you know, sign here. And I go, are you sure it's for me? And he goes, Florida State Winery, Ron Hunt. I said, yeah. He goes, yeah, it's for you. And I opened it up, and it was six bottles of wine from Spain in a Beautiful display case, uh, great big display case, and they had all this paperwork and everything, all this stuff telling about these wines from Spain and telling, uh, you know, what they all were and what, what about them and where they were from and just all sorts of information. And it's just saying that, you know, high-quality wine. And so I didn't do anything with it. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if they were going to call me. I didn't know if someone was going to come and visit and say, did you get our, our pre-visit gift? I had no idea what was going to happen. So we did nothing with it because I didn't want to open them all up and say, okay, now you owe us, you know, $300 for the wines. I put them in one of my wine refrigerators and they've been sitting there since it came in. Well, this evening I thought I'd reach in and grab a bottle from the wine refrigerator and I pulled out one of those Spanish wines and opened it up and that's what I have here. It is, everything's written in Spanish, okay? Everything. So I'm not going to attempt to read it to you or interpret it because I don't know Spanish and you know, I mean, the only Spanish I know is basically taco, burrito. That's that's about it. So, this is uh, Pirineos, P-I-R-I-N-E-O-S, Selección, and it says Marbora, M-A-R-B-O-R-E, with a little mark above the E. The 2005 Bodega Pirineos, and it Tell us about it on the front here, but it's in Spanish, so I really can't can't even make out enough to even tell you where it's from or what they're trying to say or anything. On the back, it is it says red wine, and that's in English, and the government warning is in English. It is a product of Spain, 750 mil, 13.5 percent alcohol. And then it has uh, an aroma profile, like a little circle with the uh, thing leaning heavier toward different things, uh, just to show the aroma, which you know, not, you know what I mean if you saw it, but 
it's a little aroma profile, shows plum jam as very high on this, spice is very high, oak coming out very strong, a little bit of other fruits, but not so much. The intensive aroma, everything's quite strong. Uh, The intensity itself is is very high. Well, the sensory profile is what they call it, not intensity. Intensity aroma is very high. The fruit comes out quite a bit. Floral, not so much. Wood, quite a bit. The body is strong. Acidity is low. And softness is high. It says it is 50% uh, Tempranillo, 20% Cabernet Sauvignon, 20% Merlot, 5% Morstel and 5% uh, Paralita. And so I'm not familiar with those two wines, but uh, are those two grapes particularly. But it is phenomenal. This is really, really good. Now I've aged it since we got it, and it's a 2005 vintage. So I'm glad I aged it because it has softened and mellowed you is the great aroma great red aroma to it it's uh, bringing out some nice fruitiness in it uh, plumminess and all that when you taste it it's like oh my gosh the plum is there it's it's so pronounced in the in the aroma or in the taste the uh, acid is very low the tannins are very low as it has aged it's softened the acids and the tannins the fruitiness just the the dark fruits coming out in this it's just Mm -hmm. phenomenal it's uh got a uh, softness to the to the uh taste uh uh, i don't want to say velvety but that's probably the best word to describe it doesn't give you that acid uh, forward flavors that you get in a lot of wines, red wines, uh, very soft. Uh, the plum is what, what just catches me off guard, though, the plumminess in the nose and the plumminess in the taste. It's just really, really fantastic. I have no idea how much this costs. I have no idea where it is available. All I know is that it was sent to me as a gift, I guess, because... No one ever came by. No one ever called. No postcards or letters followed up saying, hey, we sent you six wines. Uh, We want you to sell them there or whatever. Nothing ever happened. I just got a gift of six wines from from this company. I can't remember the name of the company now, which is really sad because for them doing that for me, I really should remember. But, uh, yeah, it just is... I did find them online. Um, did you? And yeah, it was uh, being sold. Uh, there's a place called uh, Vivino, I guess it is. Um, Vivino. That's, yeah. Yeah. There's one of them. It's it, they had uh, one of the vintages. I think it was a 2006 for 22, 22 something per bottle. Um, well, that was the highest, then. highest rated uh, or most popular. And then the top rated was a 2000 uh, vintage of the same wine. So. Um, um, and I don't know what this backdrop is. It looks like a bunch of old-style Adobe mountain homes or something. I don't know what it is. Um, but um, some 
Somontano, uh, Spain. It looks like they're from. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, founded it in says. 1993, and huh, that's what it shows on yeah, this other website. Somontano, Somontano. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bodega Piranhas. Yeah, it has this here on the bottom, on the back, on the yeah. bottom. Somontano, red wine. Imported by Independence Imports out of Miami. Oh, okay. But very good. It's a very mm. good wine. I think this is the first of the six that we've opened. Oh, what what site is it? There it is. Discover more at uh, com. Is that what you found it on? No, that was something else. I'll have to look oh. that one up. Um uh, uh, it should still be up. Yep. Uh-huh. There it is. Oh, it takes me to the – okay, I go to that website. It takes me to the site that I was looking at last. Oh, so, yeah, it's, oh. it's the same thing. Yeah. It just yeah. forwards it. Uh, 25 years anniversary. And it's in Spanish. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. Everything. 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 Oh, come on. Except for the government warning. Everything else is in Spanish. The whole <laughs> – uh, three thousand, three thousand barrels. It's what? I said I can destroy Spanish for you. I can read this. Yeah. You know. uh, <laughs> it's a okay. I got the English version. Uh, Beller, uh, barrel, barrel cellar is uh, three thousand barrels, seventy-five percent American oak, twenty-five percent French oak. Uh, nine hundred and fifty hectares. Uh, winery controlled and controlled vineyards. There you go. Um, specific soil type is sandy. Wow. I get all kinds of stuff out of this website. Yeah. I wish they'd all do that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me <laughs> and too. founded in 1993. So, wow. Uh, Been around yeah. for a few years then, yeah. Yeah. Want to visit? There you go. Visit uh, telephone numbers and data can't read. So, there you go. <laughs> Good enough. Yeah. It's good. It's a good wine, though. It really is. If you all see it out there, you know, uh, by all means, uh, pick up Mabori, M-A-R-B-O-R-E, Mabori. Uh, it really is uh, pretty, and, you know, for just saying on the prices there, the prices are reasonable. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a mystery, though, where they where you picked it up from. That's- yeah, it is. It still is. I have no idea. And, you know, I was, I was afraid, I mean, to open it. Uh, my uh, my engineer said, "Wait, we don't know what that is. We really should wait and see if they're going to bill us or something." And so we waited, and then we forgot all about it. And Unsolicited we, wine, man. Yeah. Hey, you know, have give out my address. Yeah, I'm just gonna really? give it out my address. Send your wine here. I'll, you know, I'll taste <laughs> test it for you. It's amazing. I never never had. Well, I'll. I'll you know, I'll take that back. Somebody got a case of the strawberry port mm. unsolicited back Christmas of 2013. Let's see, this is 19 yards. Christmas 2013, I had a stand of the strawberry port that lives in Miami call and say, I would like a case of the strawberry port shipped to me. I said, okay, no problem. 
they gave me the credit card and I told them how much the shipping would be. We didn't make money off of shipping. We just, you know, charged what shipping was. So mm-hmm. I told them, she said, okay. She said, when can I expect it? And I said, well, in, in Florida, it should take, you know, two days at the most. Usually most of them in Florida is one day, two days at the most. A week later, she calls me and she goes, where's my wine? And I said, <laughs> shipped the day you called me. So she said, well, I didn't get it. And I said, okay. So I tracked the, it was UPS. I tracked the UPS on the the tracking number. And it was, I actually, I dropped it off. I didn't pick it up. I dropped it off. It went to Tampa and then it went to Orlando. And then it went to Indiana, and then it was delivered to such and such an address in Indiana. I'm going, what? And I called UPS, and I go, this had a Miami address on it. Why was this delivered to Indiana? Well, we'll have to get back to you on that. And Mm. so they got to me on that about two days later. And they said, well, I said, was it signed for? And they said, we dropped off at the front door. I said, we're not supposed to do that even. And uh, I said, you know, that that was a big shipment. And they said, did you insure it for any extra? And I said, no. So I got $100 back on that because it was just a standard insurance. And I packaged Mm -hmm. up another case and I shipped it to the girl and she got the next day and she was happy and thrilled. But an unsolicited case of Florida State Winery strawberry port was delivered to somebody in Indiana on the Christmas of 2013. So, wow, that's way off. I know. Um, I could never understand how they got that shipped to Indiana with a Miami address on. And it's not like I write it. I mean, I actually go online and I print my labels and I put it in there. Mm-hmm. It was like it was handwritten anything it was their labels with their barcodes that they scan and all that and it ended up in indiana and to wow. this day i can't understand how they shipped that to indiana mm. but uh mm. well that's that's um that's not cool that but probably cool. made probably made somebody very happy <laughs> i always said i certainly hope they are drinkers because I hate to think that we get to somebody who's a teetotaler who doesn't drink, mm-hmm. and uh, what's this? Oh my gosh, we can't drink this stuff and then throw it away or something. You know, so. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. It's you know, what uh, over three hundred dollars. So. Wow. Uh, so. Yeah. <clears throat> summer in the rest of the country starts tomorrow. We already had ours. The rest of the country, we got the first day of summer starting. So everyone enjoy. And the official start of summer, I think, was was uh, Labor Day, wasn't I think our Memorial Day, Memorial Day. Our Labor Day, whatever it is. First day, official day of summer started. Oh, that's a good point. All right. <laughs> <laughs> What are we going to celebrate this following week here? Uh, today's National Vanilla Milkshake Day, if you haven't already done so. World Tapas Day. Is today. What's tapas? You can look that up for me, Mike. T-A-P-A-S, tapas. Yep. Yep. 
What oh. is my instant energy pills? I think what? Appetizer. It's an appetizer. Oh, but I don't know what time. Um, <laughs> they national event on Mountain Day and World Tapas Day. World Tapas Day, boy, that you know. Tomorrow, National Peaches and Cream Day. That's always good. Use cream too. If you're going to cut up peaches and put them in a bowl, use real cream. Don't use milk. Use real cream. That's always funny too. I have to relate this. Whenever I talk about milk, young ladies in there, the ones that were yeah, millennials, 21 to 30 or so, 35, I guess, on the outside. Whenever I talked about milk, and I, I don't know, something I would mention about you know whole milk, every one of them, in that age group always made a face like, ooh, we can't drink that. We have to drink 1% or skin milk. You know, and I mean, it's just like, oh my gosh, girls, why are you doing that? But every one of them, I always thought that about it. All right. National Pizza and Cream Day tomorrow. National Chocolate Eclair Day and National Onion Ring Day coming up Saturday. Good onion rings. Local barbecue place does beer battered onion rings that are Fantastic. Sunday, National Pecan Sandy Day. Monday, National Pralines Day. Tuesday, National Strawberry Parfait Day. And National Catfish Day. I like catfish. Pair some catfish with a with a rosé. That's really good. Wednesday, National Chocolate Pudding Day, and the next Thursday, National Orange Blossom Day, which anything orange, go with it. So there's our foods for the for the coming week. Again, as always, find yourself a wine that matches well and pair it up with it and enjoy. So what's tapas? Do you find that? Yes, it is a small uh, Spanish savory dish, uh, typically served with drinks at a bar. Uh, there was oh, come on, I just had something on here. Um, oh, oh, it's an appetizer, like she said, or a snack in Spanish cuisine, and translates to a small portion of any kind of Spanish cuisine. Maybe cold, such as uh, mixed olives and cheese, or hot, such as uh, something I can't pronounce. Which are battered fried baby, oh, battered fried baby squid. Nope. And let's see what else. Um, it can also be like a Spanish omelet, um, often oh ordered as a something tortilla or a piece of tortilla. Uh, palatas bravas and patatas, blah blah blah, etc. Can't pronounce it. Uh, fried potatoes covered in a tasty sauce, and um, all kinds of other uh, tapas. So um, it's just basically you, a small Spanish dish. So yeah, of anything. I mean, you can you know, which yeah. can expand into a meal. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. Yeah. Oh. I don't think we have <laughs> it's any, also the any. it's also the bark of the paper mulberry tree. So there you go. Oh, it could also okay. be bark. Now that sounds delicious. I can I can pronounce that. So <laughs> bark of a paper mulberry. Mm. There you go. Mm. Mm. And wrap it around, you know. But boy, <laughs> yeah. it's just like everything. It's just food. I mean, why, you know, pretty much. World Tapas Day, they can just say World Food Day. And, and we don't have an yeah. English word that covers all of those different things, you know. That's right. <laughs> appetizer? I don't know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, appetizer is, uh, yeah, 
he's the way to do it. He's just Wow. <clears throat> All right. So, uh, you know, I suppose that opens up a whole world of wine to pair with that then. It depends on whatever you happen to want with it. And that's everything. Yeah. All right. Yep. So, uh, I was going to pass on something, and I forget what it was to everybody. I'll think of it later and pass it on or next week or whatever. I have a few things. Actually, I have quite a bit to talk to you about tonight. I'm not going to cover everything, not because of the time. I'm not going to worry about the time, but uh, it's just that if I covered everything, we would be going on for a couple of hours. I've got a lot of things I can talk about. But instead, let's see, let me find some some stuff here that we can pass on to you. First one, how labels sell wines. This is, I'm just going to briefly run this. I've mentioned this before, but here's a big article about it. And it's it's interesting, but it says uh, whether consumer or trade, when it comes to making wine sell, aesthetics go a long way. And that's really what it's all boils down to. Wine does sell itself a lot, but the labels really make a difference. Uh, we talked to the founders of Barefoot Winery, and they said they had this specific idea of what they went on the label, the foot, the barefoot, and it's noticeable. I mean, you don't have to have the name barefoot around it. If you see that barefoot, then you know the wine. It's not something that you have to read the label to understand that that's barefoot wine. Same thing with a lot of others. You have a lot of different wines out there that are recognizable just by uh, something on the label. A good example would also be uh, the kangaroo on uh, Australian wines, uh, the uh, half moon uh, for some wines. There's just different ones that immediately tell you what it is without having to read the label. And these are the things that they wineries actually look for if they can get themselves something iconic that will stand out and tell you about it before you even look and that's really what they're looking for uh first reaction of a bottle uh begins with the eyes and that really is what it's all about uh, wine labels absolutely play a role in buyers decisions uh, Ultimately, if the wine is great, the wine label doesn't matter. But that being said, a great wine label can definitely become one of the factors that a buyer uses and it reaches up to grab it off the shelf. Uh, if there are two wines that are equally good, the one with the better label is the one that's going to sell. And so that's always always been the case. Uh, the... Uh, Labels make a difference for off-premise more so than on-premise sales. When you're on-premise, you don't really show the labels so much, but off-premise is something that people will notice and people will remember. And that's why restaurants a lot of times will set the bottle with the label face on the table because if you like that wine, it's another incentive to buy it when you're out and that is uh, 
a motivating factor for for a lot of wineries to tell you know restaurants to do that. Graphic design helps and buyers respond to it. Uh, catchy labels selling poor quality wine has really come to an end. It's not as prominent as it was. Labels at well, I'm going to say 30 years ago, 40 years ago, labels were trying to get people's attention to the wine. And uh, it was, uh, well, well, I don't know, what's my word? They were using phrases and they were doing stuff to get people to laugh and pick up that bottle while they're doing it. And it, it was sometimes getting to the point where uh, people would, like, add a bird to the label. And uh, this was, you know, put a bird on it. Uh, people would joke about it in the industry. They've gotten away from that. They are still catchy labels, but it's not stupid, not dumb. It's uh, things like uh, uh, Nine Criminals uh, has a catchy Phrase for the wines, and it works. It's something that's uh, really happening. If you go down and you look at all the labels at the store, up and down the shelves and all that, they are going to catch your attention. Some of them are jump out at you and the ones that you know immediately, and then the new ones want to get you away from it and by their label. And a lot of people usually do buy by the label, but it seems to be the fact that a lot of times that's because they get stuck with stuff in grocery store or something, and they buy by the label because they're used to it. Instead of jumping out and trying something new, the label, the front label, and I say front labels on these because the back labels, if they have any intelligence at all as a winery, they will put information on the back of the label. And uh, a lot of them are putting QR codes on them now so that you can scan it with your phone. And it takes you to the website and it tells a little bit about the wines and stuff like that, which is, I think, is a fantastic idea. But when you're in a supermarket and you, you are wanting to pick up a wine for the evening, most of the time you look for your label. And that's really, really sad, I think, because... There's so many other wines out there that you should try, you should look at, and you should get an idea of what they're like. Instead of just buying by the by your label, by your uh, what you think is is the one that you should buy. Check out some other labels. Check out some other wines out there, and get away from looking at that front label. Read the back. There's a lot of information on these wineries in the back, and with the Benefits of electronics, you can look on the back of a label, and just like the one I just read you, it has a website. Go to the website, check out the wines on the website, see what they say about it there and all that, because that will tell you a lot more information than the label itself, if they do have a link. And most of them are trying to get that now. They're trying to get a a link to a website or a QR code that's going to take you to a website. And... That way you can understand more about the wine itself and not just the label. I am surprised that they haven't came out with a label that is nothing but a QR code on the front. 
just one QR code. And then underneath it, Cabernet Sauvignon or Merlot. And then you'll recognize the wine you mean. That's a good idea now. Any of you want to steal that idea, that's okay. I don't need royalties, but just a QR code on the front label. Nothing more than that. And people can scan it. We know what QR codes are. Most everyone does now. And uh, we can scan it and go to the website and learn more about that particular wine. But I think that might be something that we'll be seeing in the future. So, labels. Uh, multi-million dollar business, it's catches your eye and it is a necessity for wineries to have their labels so that people will remember them and that they will you know buy according to the labels. Uh let's see, I'm done with that one. Let me bounce around here trying to find what I want. That the one? Yes, okay. So we can do that. And well, I just let it. Okay, there we go. Uh, well, this is the things acting up. The computer again, as I've said before, tends to run on its own mind. Oh, no, actually it brought me up to a couple of things here I wanted to tell you about, which I will thank it for that. A couple of wineries before we go on here. Tassel Ridge Winery, for example, is uh, got events coming up over the next couple of weeks. They're a wine of the week. Uh, there's my phone. Somebody's calling me. Everybody knows I do a program on it and who's calling has to be garbage. Um, Tassel Ridge has their upcoming events. They have their daily lunches, which from 11 to 4 every Sunday and 12 to 4 on, or every weekday, 11 to 4, except for Sunday, and Sunday is 12 to 4. Uh, they have every Thursday wine and wood-fired oven pizza day. Uh, they have wine dinner and murder mystery uh, coming up uh, which is well, tomorrow and Saturday. They have two different ones. So any of those, Tassel Ridge Winery, they're located in southeast Iowa at uh, 2161-220th Street in Whiten, Iowa. You can go to Tassel Ridge. Oh, gee, I always look at their wrong email address. TasselRidge.com. Okay, so it's just TasselRidge, not TasselRidge Winery. So check them out. And also, Amazing Grace Winery. Uh, wine Down. Wine Down this Saturday. Uh, catchy plan words. They're located in Chasey, New York. Uh, go to AmazingGraceWinery.com. You can make reservations. They'll be serving barbecue. Uh, St. Louis ribs, barbecue chicken, pasta salad, a bunch of different sides, chocolate-covered cherries, and wine. They also have a band playing and all that. That's just coming up this Saturday, starting at 6.30 at the Pavilion, in Wine Down Saturday. Amazing Grace Vineyards and Winery 
your friend in New York, check them out. So, all right, those two came in. I wanted to share those with you. Uh, that's why my computer was acting up. It wanted to remind me of those. Let's see, there I have another one. Uh, Tablets Creek Vineyards or blog. Uh, some interesting stuff on their blog this time. Uh, later than normal harvest, uh, and they were talking about how that's affecting the wine and the grapes. Uh, the temperature, average temperature by month, uh, it shows a little chart on that, discusses that, and shows the flyer. So interesting if you're not subscribing to the Tablets, uh, you know, Tablets Creek blog, uh, it's an interesting read. It's info at tablas, T-A-B-L-A-S Creek C-R-E-E-K dot com and you can get some information on them also. Okay. Um, let's see. What do I want to talk about here? Uh, this is oh, yes. Classic wines. All of you out there who are drinking wines probably really have your favorites. The ones that you drink all the time, the ones you go to all the time, the ones that you constantly drink, and you're not expanding your taste. I preach this over and over. I preach it at the winery all the time to people. I'm, I've, I've said it quite a few times on the radio program. Expand your horizons. This is, you are missing out on so many. If you say, well, only drink Cabernet or only drink Merlot's, you're missing out on so many things. That's like saying, I only have a bowl of cereal for breakfast and it has to be Cheerios. Only have that. Well, there's so many other things you can have for breakfast. Same thing with meals or anything else. That really makes a difference in wine. So, there, there's what they classify as a classic wine list. Uh, classic wines are a staller category of wines. Uh, a prototype theory and being prototypical examples are perfect examples of a particular type of wine. Okay, for example, a, a Cabernet Sauvignon based red blends from the Madoc of Bordeaux are classic wines. They are prototypical of that French Cabernet. And these are all the ones you really need to know. Whenever sommeliers start doing classes and stuff, these are the first things they need to really know. Whenever you're being taught about wines, these are the ones that they they teach you. Uh, these are the ones that you have to know. I'm going to go through this list of classic wines, red and white, actually starting with the whites. And you can, if you're listening to this on archives, slow down, take a note, continue on. If you're listening to it live, then go to archives and listen. But there's a basic short list of classic white wines you need to know and need to try. Alberino. It's a Spanish Alberino. And it taste differs between a Pinot Gris and a Blanc and an Oak Chardonnay. It's not the same, it, but it can give you those types of those types of sensations and all that. 
you can find it anywhere. Everybody knows anywhere. You got to look for it in the Spanish section. It is there. It's in in that section. Next one is a oh, oops. Chardonnay. Now Chardonnays come from all sorts of areas. You got French Chardonnays and Chablis, and the Chablis is from the Chablis region of France, and it is a Chardonnay. Uh, you need to check out the differences between California Chardonnays, Australian Chardonnays, and French Chardonnays. Very seldom do people open more than one bottle at a time, but in certain situations, do that and invite friends over. Boy, somebody's really trying to get a hook of me tonight. Uh, yeah, and this says probably fraud. Uh, so hang on. Let me do this and this. Okay, we got rid of that. I love it when the they're probably asking about this uh, case of uh, port they received in Indiana. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, we just heard By the way. radio. We, we yeah. were the ones that got that port. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, send me money. <laughs> yeah. Oops, wrong number. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. You know it was good and it was safe. Yeah, thanks. So most people don't open three bottles of wine at a time. It's or even two, but in a situation where you're testing Chardonnays, a French Chardonnay or Chablis, and an Australian Chardonnay and a California Chardonnay, buy all three of them and open all three. Invite friends over and open all three at a time. See the difference. And just because it says Chardonnay doesn't mean that it's all going to taste the same. Just because it says hamburger doesn't mean it's going to be the same. Chenin Blanc. Chenin Blanc is made all over the place. South Africa, uh, France. Check out the different styles of Chenin Blanc. Gewürztraminer. Now, this is one that most people aren't familiar with, and I love a Gewürztraminer. This is a, a, a spiciness to Gewürz that goes well with a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, this says here in this article, subtle bitterness. I've never considered it bitter. I've always liked the spiciness of it. Uh, German Alsatian Gewürztraminer is the classic. They do make them out of California, but uh, uh, Sonoma, I think, would probably be the best example of a Gewürz. But a Gewürztraminer, definitely, definitely something you need to put on your your tongue and your tasting uh, mental list. Pinot Gris. You probably already had a Pinot Gris. You, this has been a very popular wine for quite some time. But again, this is the difference between an Alsatian, a Northern Italian, and an Oregon Pinot Gris. There's a difference between all of them. Or Pinot Grigio is, is a Pinot Gris. So. You know, if it says Pinot Grigio, that's what you're looking at the same thing. But try all three of them. Again, this is a good example of trying all three at the same time and seeing how much of a difference there are. Riesling, classic grape. One of, of those varieties where it's easy to blind taste and spend a whole lot of time on because they come in all sorts of different styles. They a very dry. Get one from uh, an Alsatian Greasing, it's going to get a lot drier. Australian, 
uh, Austrian, not Australian, Austrian uh, Riesling, uh, an Australian Riesling, a sweet Riesling, dry Rieslings. Uh, they're all Rieslings, and they're all interesting, they're all good, and it's all something that you really should be familiar with. Sauvignon Blanc. I think New Zealand puts out the best Sauvignon Blancs. Um, personally, I do. Uh, there are some Sauvignon Blancs coming out of France, out of California. But uh, it, I, if I'm going to pick up a Sauvignon Blanc, it's going to be from New Zealand. They make some phenomenal Sauvignon Blancs. Again, try the different styles and all that. Be familiar with the Sauvignon Blanc so you can know what that's all about. Uh, Tarantis. This is uh, Argentina. It's a uh, white wine. Uh, it's sweeter than Mendoza. It's uh, a lighter style and a little bit drier. Uh, you can get uh, a very aromatic uh, wine, but uh, check those out, Argentina. And Avonier. Uh, uh, there's uh, a small region in northern Rhone that makes a great Vognier. You can also pick up a Vognier from Paso Ropos uh, in uh, Central California. Uh, I've had some there, and I I like them. They, they're very good. So this, there's nine classic whites. You really should experience every one of them. They are the range of white wines that are on the shelf. So then that way, when you start looking down the shelf at the white wines, you're going, oh, yeah, I've had that. I like that. Or I'll try this particular one I haven't had. Red wines, classic red wines. Here's a short list of classic red wines. These a little bit longer, 11 of them, as opposed to nine for the whites. But this is another one you should be knowledgeable about every one of these wines. Uh, just to give you an opportunity to taste them, to try them, to see what they're like, and also make notes. Whenever you try different wines, make a note. Have yourself a little little notebook. Uh, take notes on the wines you're tasting. If you're tasting a Gewürztraminer, um, for example, for the first time, make a note. Gewürztraminer is a little bit spicy and all that. This will go well with and then list some foods which you think it would pair with. The next time you're out looking for something for dinner, to take to dinner, to have with dinner, to bring home for dinner, check your nose and say, well, here we go. This reverse is going to go good with this, um, this pork that we're having tonight. And so you've got yourself a real nice little guidebook there. So use that and do that and you can match up a lot of very nice wines with some with your meals and have an inside track to it. And that goes with the reds, too. And let me talk about the reds here. Cabernet Sauvignon. This is the classic. Everybody knows Cabernet Sauvignon. It is... Uh, oh, yeah. It, this is... You do a blind tasting of a Cabernet Sauvignon, and you're going to get so many different styles. And sometimes it's almost impossible to find out, pick where it's from. Could be from Bordeaux, South Australia, Chile, United States. 
Uh, it differs from Merlot in each of these areas. Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon is not a Merlot, and it doesn't tend to be a Merlot, but it can confuse you uh, because of the growing areas and all that. It's a lot like a Merlot in those. Gamay. Uh, Beaujolais. You need to get a Beaujolais Gamay and understand the Gamay's from that. California makes a Gamay, but it's lighter, fruitier, I guess, than the Beaujolais. But if you're going to try a Gamay, pick up one from Beaujolais, France. Grenache. There's another one that is made in uh, France that's very good uh, South Australian Grenache also very good and a Spanish Grenache it's, uh, they have a CHA at the end of the, instead of a CHE so any of those are great and it's it's a lighter red wine but it's really really good Melbeck uh, Mendoza uh, is the area for it on uh, Argentina. They put out a, a great Malbec. You can find Malbecs from different parts of the world too. They don't just do it, but if, you, if you're going to fall in love with a Malbec, do it with one from Argentina. Merlot. This can be confused with Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, it's grown in all the same locations as Cabernet Sauvignon. It is Fruity, flavorful, nice aromas, all that. Very easy to confuse a Merlot with a Cabernet in a blind tasting. It's a uh, not really a cousin, a great hierarchy, but it is similar to it in some of the taste and the aromas. So, do your Merlots? from just about everywhere, actually. Just everybody makes a Merlot, everybody makes a Cab, everybody makes a Merlot. All right, next one, Nebrio. Uh, get trying to get and compare the Barola with the Barbarisco. Uh, it's a uh, biker red wine, but it's really, really good. Pinot Noir. Everybody's familiar with the Pinot Noir, but uh, how many different ones have you tried? Burgundy makes it, California, Oregon, New Zealand. Uh, it's just it's from all over the place. Argentina makes a Pinot Noir. Um, Argentina makes a very good Pinot Noir. If I'm going to pick up a Pinot Noir, I look at Oregon or Argentina right now for my choices on those. Sangiovese, two main wines to know are Chianti Classico and Brunello di Montesino. Montalcino. These are the two two main Sangiovese wines out there, but there's lots of others. Don't let it fool you. Lots of other Sangioveses. And if you get Chianti Classico, Sangiovese is a main grape, but there's a lot of blending in it too. So uh, if you just want the Sangiovese, then you can find them, look for them in, in Spain, look for them in, uh, in Italy. They come out with them by themselves. I think you can find a few Sangioveses in the United States, not as popular as they are from overseas, but still you can, if you're looking, you can find them. A Syrah. Uh, there's a difference between the South 
Australian Syrahs, which is the same as the Sarong, they say AZ as opposed to AH with everyone else. Northern Rhone Syrah and North American Syrah, they're all over the place. Uh, you can find a straw everywhere. But again, that's one of those where you need to open a couple, three bottles at the same time and try all of them. Again, invite friends over and after you finish comparing a couple, three whites, work on some of the reds and do a couple, three reds. It makes for a fun evening and you get a chance to try a whole bunch of ones. Or you can call up people. I used to do that many years ago. We used to have wine parties. I'd call up people and say, this month we're featuring Syrah and um, um, Shannon Bach. So bring a Syrah and a, you know, or a Shannon Block. And we would get all these different wines from different areas and we would uh, taste them and make notes and, and learn a lot about wine. So have yourself a wine party and ask people to come over and do that. Tempranillo. Learn to taste the difference between a Tempranillo, a Cabernet, and a Sangiovese. They are distinctly different, but surprisingly, you can pick up some of the same flavors in them. A lot of times it's oak, because they oak all of them. But uh, still, though the fruitiness and all that that comes out is different. Uh, Rail uh, in Spain puts out a lot of Tempranillo. In fact, that's one I'm drinking tonight is the main wine, the 50% is Tempranillo. Nice and dark and, and plummy, and just really good. And the last is Zinfandel. thought we were going to forget it, didn't you? Uh, <laughs> so many styles. You can also pick up a Spanish uh, Zinfandel, although they don't call it Zinfandel. And for the life of me, I've just got a blank, and I can't think of what the Spanish grape is. But Zinfandel, American. It becomes uh, uh, the American wine. If you if you look up Zinfandel, they'll say American wine. Um, it's goes by a lot of other names around the world, but it's quintessential American. If you're going to get a Zinfandel, Paso Robles, uh, Sonoma, Napa, these all make some very very robust good Zinfandels. But again, this is a good example to try different ones at the same time because when you try them separately, you tend to forget the little subtle things about them that really separate. And when you try them all at the same time, it's like, wow, that one's so much more fruity than this one. This one has so much more tannins. And so if you start doing them all at the same time, it creates a... A, a nice comparison for you. And again, make notes. Make notes on everything that you try and everything you taste because it's it's so important to know that stuff and be able to refer back to it later. So why do you need to know? You know keep those in mind and, and start uh, start using those wines you need to know there. Okay. And Primitivo, I believe. Primitivo, yeah. Zimbro, Primitivo, yeah. That's it. Thank you. I I knew it. I just had a blank on it. I couldn't think of it. So, good. Mm. This wine is really good. 
Uh, all right. Oh, here's what I wanted to talk about. This is a list. Well, not all this. Five traits of the world's most expensive wines. All right. Now, expensive wines, not like they made them yesterday and they're going to set them and they're going to sell them. These are ones that have been aged. These are ones that have been around for a long, long time. These are ones that you will never, ever be able to find. And if you do, you will never, ever be able to buy them. As simple as that. Uh, just because the rape, it, uh, grape, grape is rare. I combined grape and red and all that. Just because the grape is rare um, are almost extinct, and some of them are doesn't mean it's going to be worth anything often. In fact, the most expensive wines from the world usually come from very common wine grapes. Pinot Noir, for example, half of the 50 most expensive wines listed at Wine Searcher are Pinot Noir wines from Burgundy. Cabernet Sauvignon, 24 of the 25 most expensive American wines are Cabernet Sauvignon-based wines from Napa. That shouldn't surprise any of us. Chardonnay and Riesling, the world's most expensive white wines, include the Chardonnay and Riesling. All right, these these are some of the just the basics. The most expensive wines are still aged in oak. That's going to happen. We sing the praises of wines that do not have oak, but. Most expensive ones are oak aged. 65% new French oak for almost two years. This is Screaming Eagle. Aged for 16 to 20 months and 50% newer used French oak. Chateau Petrus. Fermented in wooden vats and aged in 100% new French oak, including Cooper's Cadiz and Francois Frerot. This is Domaine Leroy uh, Grand Cru. Fermented aids on leaves and 30% new French oak for 15 months. Uh, it's a Montrachet Grand Cru. So, you know, this oak is important for the wines to end up costing a lot. They're made from the grapes that are perfectly ripe. Okay, you're not going to find anyone making great wines from grapes that they don't know what they're doing. You know, the wine starts in the vineyard. They know what they're looking for. They know what they're doing. The most highly prized Chardonnay wines, for example, are almost never over 14% alcohol by volume because the alcohol takes over. Cabernet Sauvignon, the top quality cabs range in the mid-14% in alcohol. And pH levels between 3.6 and 3.8. And, you know, at 3.6, it starts to get pretty tart. You start getting that little bite in there. And the Pinot Noir, uh, the most collectible Burgundy Pinot Noirs are lower in alcohol. used between 13 and 13.5 with higher levels of acidity which puts it at 3.3 and like that, which, again, is pretty tart. You're going to get a bite on those, but these are the ones 
that tend to balance as they age, too. And microclimates. All of them have their microclimates. All of them are affected by where they are and where they grow and what the microclimate is doing to them and all that. So the microclimates are very important. Microclimates, just a little area that has a specific weather pattern, be it on the hillside of something that picks up morning fog, burns off, the sun shines on it for three hours before the sun peeks over the hill and hides behind the hill. These are microclimates, and most of your great wines are from microclimates. And the vintage. Uh, They're not made every year. Great wines aren't made every decade sometimes. I, it's just a, a rarity that you have it. If everything comes together, if the grapes are ripe and picked at the exact right time, if the winemaker says, okay, this is going to be the one, and he ages it in the oaks for two years, and he takes care of it, and he babies it, and he doesn't try to rush it, and he gets it into the bottles, and he bottles it and says, okay, we're not going to release it for another two years while it's in the bottle because I know how it's going to be. That's going to end up creating great wine. Prices. Let's start at the bottom and go up. A 2003 Egan Müller Schwarzhof TBA from Germany, from Moselle, Germany. It's a Riesling. If you can find one that's selling for 13500 These are nine of the most expensive wines ever sold at auction. Okay, so these are the prices that these wines actually brought in at auction. Next one, Chardonnay from Burgundy, France. The 2010 Domaine de la Romana Conte Montrachet. So for $116,000. The next one, a Simeon Sauvignon Blanc blend from Bordeaux, 1811 Chateau Joachim Sauternes. That sold for $117,000. This next one is one I think Mike bought here. This is a Cabernet blend from Bordeaux, France, the 1787 Chateau Lafitte. It's alleged to have been part of Thomas Jefferson's wine collection, and that sold for $150,000. Yeah, I remember that. I maxed out a credit card. I maxed out a credit card. (laughs) (laughs) For the rest of your life. (laughs) Yep, still paying on it. (laughs) I bet. But it was awful good. (laughs) It was very good. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And next one. A Cabernet Sauvignon from Barossa Valley, Australia. A 2004 Pinsfold uh Block 42, a pull. Now, these are interesting wines, too. If you all ever look it up, they, they've got special bottles and stuff like that. Very, very cool wines. That sold for $168,000. A 1947 Chateau Cheval Blanc. Now, this is a 6-liter, not the uh, 750. It's a Merlot from Bordeaux, France. 
sold for $304,375. Again, these are actually ones that sold in auction. A Pinot Noir from Burgundy, France, a 1990 Domaine Leroy Messini Grand Cru, I pronounced that last one wrong, sold for $244,000. Here's one that I picked up a few years ago, and, and this was good, and talking about maxing out your credit card. Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley, a 1995 Screaming Eagle Oakville Cabernet Sauvignon. I like Oakville wine, so I figured, hey, what the heck? A cool half million dollars, $500,000. And the most expensive one that was sold in auction recently is a Pinot Noir from Burgundy, France, the 1945 Domaine de la Ramene Conte, Ramene Conte, and it said it twice, I wasn't repeating myself. That sold for $558,000. So, and the people who bought these felt they were worth it. They felt that these wines had the pedigree, if you will, to present themselves in a glass. I don't know what they did with them. There's no thing here. A lot of times, the people who buy them can't afford them. It's not something like Mike and I would put yourself in debt for the rest of your life, but they really can't afford these. And they sherm at tastings or they sell taste uh, by glass at tastings to try to raise money for charities and stuff like that. To me, a half a million dollars for a bottle of wine, why don't you donate the half million to your charities instead of getting a bottle of wine? But, you know, that's just me. So, But those are the, the expensive ones that are out there and that are being uh, being used we've been on almost now I want to go into something else here though let me see if there's anything else oh, the myth of minerality I was going to get into that in more detail I think I will next week I'll talk a little bit more about this but we've always heard about minerality in wine this has minerality this is an interesting article that talks about how, well, it's BS in a word, but I'll go into a little bit more detail. Geologists, viticulturists, and industry professionals across the United States had a lot to say about it, and so I'll uh, tell you about this next week. So there's something that you can look forward to, and let's see, let's see, so there's Something else. Uh, I oh while I'm while I'm thinking about it too, I'm looking at getting myself an electric lawnmower. If anyone out there has had one, or if you had bad experiences or good experiences, let me know. Uh, I'm I'm thinking about electric. I don't know if I will or not, but I'm thinking going electric on the lawnmower. Don't have a real big yard, so it's not an issue there. All right, last thing I want to talk about here is the wildfires. We used to talk about these a lot last summer, the wildfires, and how they were affecting the country and what they were doing in the country and how they were uh, affecting the vineyards. And we heard about a lot of it, too, in the 
um, news where we saw the, the wineries burning and, and all that stuff. Well, they are out there again. There is in the United States at this moment 992 active fires. In the West, most all of them are in the West. I, I found a map here, which is a, a pretty cool map. I mean, it's, it tracks avalanches, it tracks snowfalls, it attracts fires. It's just really a cool map. Uh, Fireweatheravalanche.org. So if you want to check that out. But 992 active fires right now going on basically in the West. Uh, there's one at, uh, what is this, Wyoming? I guess this is, is where it still is, Wyoming. Uh, started three months ago, and it's burned 1,030 acres, and it's still going. Uh, a lot of these get into the mountains and stuff, and they don't have access to them. They try to contain and do what they can. Here's one Durban Creek fire. Started five days ago and it's already burned 425 acres. And that's in Oregon, eastern Oregon. One north of San Francisco uh, started a week ago and already burned the ink fire, already burned 50 acres. Uh, another one just east of San Francisco, the Malek fire started a week ago and it's burned 210 acres. But there's, they're all over the place. It's just, it's just, Unbelievable. Uh, small ones. Uh, here's one down in uh, Southern California around Bakersfield that has burned seven and a half acres and it started uh, two days ago. But they're all over the place. They're happening all over. And the dry conditions in California, and they are dry enough to really start fires. And out west, it's all over. So Go and check out that site, and with fire comes smoke, and that's why I'm always talking about these on the radio program, uh, all about wine, is because the smoke from these fires and smoke taint in the grapes, well, we've discussed that before, so we'll see what happens. I need to get somebody on that's a little bit more of an expert on that and see what they say. I saw a panel discussion but it was long, and I read the thing. I'm going, oh my gosh, this is, you know, everybody is agreeing with everybody, and and just, you know, it was long, and so I didn't really stay with it too long. There's another one that's in Washington that's contained, it only burned one acre, but just north of it, there's one that uh, has burned uh, 500 some odd acres, and that's active, it's a week old. So, you know, check out the website, and uh, you can see where they are. The smoke blows east. So if these fires are along the coast and stuff like that, then it could be blowing right to vineyards and into valleys and all sorts of stuff. So it's it could be an issue mm. with the grapes. In fact, Sonoma County last – was it last year that they had all those fires in Sonoma – Last year, Sonoma County could not sell a lot of their grapes because wineries were afraid that they had smoke taint. And you can't really tell until you start making the wine and you get yourself wine and you go, oh, my gosh, this has smoke taint. And there is a 
Oh, we got 90 seconds before we go off the air. Oh, that's right, because we started. <laughs> 90 well, because minutes. We, and we started, yeah, yep. 90 minutes. We started uh, late. Yeah. So, um, so. Okay. We'll, we will see everybody next week. <laughs> and see if I can yeah, see you. That's all right. Um, yeah, the 27th, I believe it is, June 27th. Yeah. Uh, you all have a great weekend and uh, enjoy your wine and enjoy the first day of, of uh, summer tomorrow. So uh, have That's a good right. one. Uh, 7 p.m. next weekend. Thanks again. Be and safe. Be Thanks safe. Yeah, we'll Thank you. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. And we're out, I think. <laughs> Did it disconnect us? Uh oh. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Nope. You're there. Okay. Because it says we're not on, but we're still here. We're still here. Yeah. Yeah. We're I have no here. idea. I, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, just in just in oh. case, I, I don't think it. I don't think it's still recording, but it, it shows there's no no time left. Yeah, it, so. it ended up. I think, yeah. But yeah. it took us oh. out of the green room automatically. Okay. Yeah, I saw that. It just it picked us <laughs> out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, again. We'll try it again. Try it again next week. I sent a I sent a Twitter message. You know that we couldn't get on. You know whatever. There's problems on the Blog Talk Radio site, and I put at Blog Talk Radio, so that would also send to them as well. And oh, good. You know, I just without warning, no, that doesn't make any sense. You, I know. Unless it was some kind of oops, you know. Yeah, well like I said too, you know, maybe maybe a, some sort of hack. But if it was hacked, they wouldn't have got it cleared up so quick. So Yeah. Yeah. It would be something on their part. Yeah. No, I think so. Well, we'll try it again next week. <laughs> yeah, we never had that issue. We never had them blocked out on us like that. I mean, that's no, it's unusual for blog talk radio to do that. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Usually it's on all audio, right. But, you know. Yeah. Really. Right. It's, it's I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go have some more of my five hundred thousand dollar bottle of wine, and there you um, go. Yeah. we'll see. You're <laughs> nursing it. I can tell you're just you're just yeah. nursing that bottle. <laughs> Yeah. Making it last. Yes. I got in a safe safe place. Um all right, we'll yeah. see you see you next week then. See you next week. Uh, seven yeah. PM. All right. Yeah. Have, Have a good weekend. Good. Like good luck with the lawnmower. That's gonna be interesting. Thanks. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll let you know what's happening on that. So. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you later. Yep. Right. Take care. Good night. Bye. Bye.